According to Barna, 95% of all Christians have never won a soul to Christ. Let's change the stat. Welcome to GoCast, a podcast designed to inspire and equip pastors and leaders to lead soul-winning churches. We have a mission to go and make disciples. This is GoCast. Hey everyone, welcome to GoCast. I'm your host, Kelly Stickle, joined by my friend and co-host, Tim Tribble. Tim, we're at the end of season two already. already. How are you Shocking. doing today? Well, I'm, I'm shocked. I mean, <laughs> this has gone so fast, but other than that, I'm good. Yeah, and it's been so, so good. And we are very excited with our guest today, Pastor Larry Bry of Elevation Church. You might have heard of that church. Um, kind of a big deal. Just celebrated their 15th anniversary. Wow. Pastor Stephen Furtick. Pastor Larry Bry is one of the founding members of Elevation Church. Uh, key player in their organization. And we have an, a fascinating conversation about how COVID, and it's amazing, how COVID has affected everybody. And I think mm. a lot of times we can look at Elevation Church, for instance, and think, man, these guys got it all figured out. They're not going through any struggles. There's no big changes there. And and they're growing and they're ready and they're online and their music is blowing up and their, you know, Pastor Stephen's preaching is blowing up. And yeah. all we can look at all that and say, they don't have any struggles. Well, uh, Pastor Larry gets into it and said, yeah, no, they they're in the same boat we are in the same storm going through the same things. Yeah. And it's a encouraging conversation, very enlightening conversation. And one of the things that he talks about is reevaluating as leaders what winning looks like, that we're all very results oriented, yeah. driven leaders who like to see and we're comfortable with the what we were seeing before um, and how to get numbers and how to evaluate wins but in this season we need to reevaluate wins re so yeah let me ask you so your result oriented leader as well has there been any wins that you've had to reevaluate and go okay well we gotta we gotta look at this differently so i can at least feel somewhat okay about yeah what we're doing i think all of our like across all the different departments that we have the privilege of working in it's uh you're always looking like pre-covid you were always looking okay are we are we progressing as a team? Are we getting better as a team? Are we growing? Is Are the individuals growing? Um, with individuals now, you know, most of them staying at home, not being so much as involved, attendance is dropping, like, and for this very specific reason of the culture that we're in, I think my we had to reevaluate, I had to reevaluate, okay, so if corporately we're not improving, like how am I improving one-on-one -on -one with the relationships with these right. people? So, right. and taking the investment from, okay, now, not so much pouring into them as a team, but how can we disciple them one-on-one -on -one so that coming out of COVID, they are stronger, they are better individually and then corporately more powerful together. Yeah, so good. And I think COVID's created an opportunity for all of us to reevaluate our priorities and what's most important. And I think it's going to create a much stronger leader, a much stronger church um, when we come out of this, if totally. we ever come out of this, um, and it's it's going to it's going to create a lot stronger organization because we're going to be able to again pay attention to some of the details that we might yeah. not have paid attention to, reevaluate wins at multiple levels. I think is going to strengthen us. So, mm -hmm. without further ado, this conversation is fascinating. Pastor Larry Bry is an amazing guy, and did, did you know Tim? He's one of my favorites because of of which football team he cheers for he he is a very wise man oh, um and yeah. and spouts a <laughs> lot of wisdom including his affiliation with the minnesota vikings so just saying this is 
setting you all up. Divine this is, appointment. This, this we'll is say. divine yeah. appointment. This is wisdom <laughs> at next level. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Pastor Larry Brock. Well, hey, LB, welcome to GoCast. It's, so, it's such an honor to have you on our program. Yeah, Pastor Kelly, man, I'm so excited to connect with you. I love what you're doing. One, um, you're a Vikings fan. And so um, if I get a chance to talk to a fellow Skull brother, like, I'll take it. I'm, I'm telling you, so I, I knew you were my favorite, um, but then I found out that, you know, you're a Vikings fan too. And I was like, that explains it all. That's it. It's- I mean, there's so much, there's so much wisdom. We're going to see, we're going to see that in a moment here. So much wisdom that always pours out of you. And I was like, now I know. I like, it, it just makes sense. Purple, the color of <laughs> so- it's the Vikings. It's the whole deal, man. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. This is such an honor to ha- have you here. This last year has been, man, it's been a major adjustment for all of us. So yeah. let's let's just get right into it. How have you been doing personally in this, this season? Probably a lot like you. Um, I've got some areas in my life that I feel like I'm struggling. Uh, some areas in my life I feel like, okay, I got that maybe under control. I got some areas I, I've closed the closet on those areas. Like I'll, I'll open that up once COVID gets done. And yeah. <laughs> because we all go into survival mode and when you go into survival mode, you start like saying, Hey, how do I like get through today? And yeah. the best way I can get through today is to not deal with some issues that are there, but eventually that bill is going to come due and we got to pay it eventually. And so, yeah, so true. It, it's real. And so, you know, I think, I think some days to realize, like, I got to give myself permission that maybe the best I can do today is just survive and call that a wow, win. Yeah. Like, which that's a, I mean, that's a totally different dynamic for us as leaders where we're, we're so results oriented. We got to see, we got to see the win to, to go into survival mode. I mean, that, that creates a whole different dynamic just in and of itself, mentally, emotionally, physically. I've talked with a lot of pastors and leaders recently who are feeling, they would describe it as it just, Tired is probably the most common word um, I've heard, and and some would even say, "Man, I'm just exhausted." Yep. Um, and I think a lot of that is the fact that we're so result oriented, we're so we're so used to winning and pushing forward, yeah. and and then we get into survival, and we're like, "Well, I'm just tired of that. I'm exhausted of that." So, have I mean, is this something that you've battled with as well in this last year? Gosh, I think yeah. If anybody's not battled with it, they're not living in reality. And because as soon as we get done with this, with this podcast, uh, Kelly, I'm going to ask you, like, how do I do? Because yeah. I'm always looking for something to give me a reference point to see if I'm winning or how I did. Right. And in the church world, we're so metrics oriented, numbers oriented, people oriented. That's why we got in this. We love Jesus and we love people and we want to see him come to faith. But all of the metrics, the meaningful metrics we would have used to measure growth or impact or influence that scorecard is completely erased. Yep. And everything that we would have used as a point of reference is no longer available to us. Hey, how are you doing? I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> and exactly. how many days does it take before that just has a, gets to a point of diminishing returns that I can only give out so long without knowing whether or not I'm winning or eventually I just get exhausted. And I just think a lot of my brothers and sisters, we're just exhausted right now. Yeah, it's so true. And I, do you think, I mean, how, like how much of that is, you know, constantly having to readjust everything that we do? Um, and yep. how much of that is for a leader? Is that about, you know, that sense of exhaustion or feeling more tired is the fact that like we don't have 
the tangible wins that we're used to yes. in front of us to get to energize us. So, yes. like, where would you find you know that balance there? I, there is no balance. I think balance is a bad word. Balance is like the modern like four letter word. Like, because there is no balance right now. Because I'm not just a pastor. I'm 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 a boss. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm a son. I'm a brother. Every one of those identifiers changed in the last year. And it's one thing if I got one area in my life where I feel like I'm not winning or there's some uncertainty in, but now take all of them and throw them up in the air. Like, who am I then? Like, man, I don't even know how to minister to my 15-year-old. How can I minister to all these people? And it it challenges us at our core to like, man, worth and identity. But when I don't feel like I'm winning anywhere, I get real exhausted. So true. And I think part of that big exhaustion is like just talking about being being parents is add compound that fact that we get to homeschool our kids yes. all of a sudden we get <laughs> on to. top I of it. You I said that we get to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a blessing for about a day or two. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. then it's like, not, God, not God bless the teachers. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what have you what have you done personally? What's what worked for you to overcome your sense of exhaustion? Because one of the things that I've felt for myself and I just had to reevaluate everything. Everything that I used to do yeah. to overcome exhaustion didn't have the same effect anymore. And I talked to a lot yes. of other leaders feeling the same way. Man, how I used to get out of, you know, that funk or, you know, just that yep. being discouraged, all of that, what used to work doesn't work as much anymore. And that just compounds the exhaustion. So what have you found that's that's worked for you? It it is it is rewriting the rules of what success looks like. Um because somewhere we, you and I, we build up a definition of what success looks like. And when that doesn't get reached, that's what exhaustion looks like. I'll keep working if I know that I'm winning. Because, yeah. I mean, all of us will keep moving forward if we know that we're taking territory and it matters. But when you don't see that it matters or you don't see the way that it's putting points on the board, that's where exhaustion becomes detrimental. Because mm. we've all used to being tired, but it's different now. The difference is... We don't have rooms that are full. We're not making house calls. We're not ministering to people in a real way. So the source of life, one of the things that brought a lot of joy into our lives was being with people and the people interaction. And now you remove all that. So for me, I've had to really redefine what does winning look like? Oh, that's good. And so because if I don't redefine what winning looks like, I'll always use the same scoreboard. And... If I'm using the old scoreboard, that's about how number of people in the seats and number of salvations and number of baptisms and like all those are amazing things. But when they're not happening at that same level, now I'm getting discouraged. Now I'm really distracted. Now I'm exhausted. And at least this, yeah. this compound interest that you can never pay the bill on that thing. So so what's one you know practical thing that you did to like for your own scoreboard? Like what give us an example of something that you changed the scoreboard. What did that look like? Uh, so you mentioned homeschooling. We get to homeschool our kids, my wife and I. Yeah. <laughs> we've got four of those blessings from the Lord, uh, 15 down to six. And now you put all four of them in our house. You got six people on Zoom calls at the same time. And when you're yeah. living in the same space. So my scorecard had to turn into someday. It's not killing my kids. Like, <laughs> yeah. like if we really get it down to a level, like, because – I'm trying to get work done. They see dad with them all day long. And now they're wanting to play with dad or they're wanting me to help with homework. I'm like, but I got to get work done. 
And sometimes I had to realize, man, my work today is to make sure my 15 year old is in a good mental health space. Right. And so I, for me, I had to boil it down into what is one thing that I can win at today. Not one thing in every area, but what's just one tangible thing. And some days that was, I got to make sure my 15 year old's in a good mental health space. Some days it's to make sure I'm in a good mental health space. Some days it's, I've got to call these five people to check in with them because they've all had to lay off employees in their business and they feel like they've completely failed the folks that they're supposed to be there for. And so right. one win a day is what I'm trying to work on. That's really good. That's that's a powerful thing. And I think it's, it's so important because the most dangerous thing is for, for us leaders is, you know, is we get to the state of depletion. We make big mistakes. I heard uh, somebody recently say that if you make a decision when you're tired or exhausted, a major decision, it's like making a decision um, when you're drunk, it's the same, the same <laughs> status of, and I was like, Ooh, that's an interesting, <laughs> then you're going, wait, okay, what decisions am I making? So what happens to us as leaders when we continue to work and press ahead in a state of depletion? Well, I wonder how many people have said, maybe I'm not supposed to do this anymore. I wonder how many people that are going to watch this podcast are saying, maybe God, maybe that maybe I'm supposed to do something else. Maybe I missed it. Maybe I got it wrong. And we've got, at least in the States, we can sometimes have an, a perspective of Christ that comes without suffering. And Lord, I thought it was supposed to get easier. I'm working for you. And isn't it supposed to get easier? And we sometimes interpret, we misinterpret the struggle as a sign we're supposed to get out of it. No, no, that's actually the indication that you're going the right direction. And so I've got to have this proper perspective of following Christ doesn't come without suffering. And I wonder how many of us, because we're exhausted, we started misinterpreting the struggle around us. And rather than feeling like, God, give me strength in it, we're praying for him to give us a way out of it. Wow. And it's not because we don't care. It's because we don't know how to carry it. It's, And I, there are people watching this right now, Kelly, that you know as well as I do that they're ready to throw in the towel. They've already thrown in the towel and they feel like the game has changed too much. I need to go do something else. I would speak over them. No, the calling is still there. It has not changed. It's taking a different form, but the calling has not changed. You're still called to it. But when I don't know how to carry the struggle, I don't know how to win. I eventually withdraw because I don't want to be disappointed any longer. That is so, so true. So powerful. I just want to park there for a moment because I, I think you touched on something that, that I, this season has kind of had me reevaluate and others as well. I'm sure you as well reevaluate all of our priorities, yep. even our theologies in many ways. And we have in the Western world, we have this theology that God just makes life so much easier or, or better. And we, and we wouldn't, you know, come out and necessarily say that, but we think yes. that, well, God's going to deliver me from this. And that just as, you know, I was reading through the Easter story again and, and taught our church on this, so that many of the disciples, they scattered under Jesus's arrest because they were expecting the Messiah to be the deliverer yes. and, and, and to do what, you know, the Messiah was going to deliver them from their struggle yeah. as is Israelites from their oppressor Rome yeah. and all of, all of that. And instead Jesus let them kill him and, and became, gave them salvation instead of deliverance. Yeah. And sometimes I think we miss our God because we're, we're looking just for deliverance. Yes. And miss on the salvation. So 
That's so powerful. It's real. And I don't know. It, it's not because we don't, we don't trust God and we don't love God. It's just, it's sometimes so easy to get the focus off of what we should be looking at. And we misinterpret what we're staring at. And the very struggle is not a sign you're supposed to withdraw. It's the very thing you're supposed to lean into. But when I've never been so, here before, I don't know what I'm doing. And nobody around me knows what I'm doing. It's not even like I can borrow what somebody else is doing because we're all making it up as we go. So I can at least rip off Pastor Kelly because he's at least done it. But like now who even can I rip off in this season because we're all figuring it out together. That's so true. Exactly. That is so true. Well, I mean, speaking about ripping off, I mean, your your uh, church is is one of the most uh, powerful churches on the planet. Everybody looks to as in in church world looks at to Elevation Church as as the model. Uh, you're one of the founding members. You guys just celebrated your 15th anniversary, yeah. correct? Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. And what's what God's done through you guys in 15 years is remarkable. Um, and you're an example to all of us. And so thank you so much for what you guys do week in and week out. And, uh, you know, that's, that's powerful. But as one of the more recognizable churches on, on the planet, man, you guys have, COVID hasn't affected you at all, correct? Oh. I mean, this is, you just, yeah, you just smooth. <laughs> Talk to us about how, how has COVID affected Elevation Church? I mean, gosh, you know, COVID is an equalizer. It's an equal opportunity destroyer. It It is seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. And we're sitting there a year ago just like everybody else going, man, are we going to have to like, are we going to make it? Are we going to have yeah. to like let staff go? Are we going to be here? Because there was so much uncertainty in the world. And so it's been 15 years and we've still seen God do all these great things. But again, I know what it's like when we could fit our whole church in a suburban I still see our, our church as a, we can fit everybody in a suburban. And so, but, but COVID comes along. Now you've just got more people to, looking to you for answers. And we're like, that's a weight. So whether you've got a hundred people or a couple thousand, it's a weight when you've got people looking at you. And then when you don't have the answers and you don't know what to do, how many times have you stood there, Pastor Kelly, and be like, this is what we're going to do. And you walk in the back room and you cry like, God, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's what we feel like. Let, let me give you this quick story about our, our church. So we started 2006. We had our, at our one year anniversary, we're full to capacity and we've got to think about how we're going to keep moving forward. But we're sitting in a meeting on a Monday morning. We're high-fiving each other, all the staff like, guys, look, the rooms are full. This is amazing. Pastor Stephen walks in and says, guys, this is a problem. We don't have anywhere to invite guests to. We're out of room. So in that meeting, we realized we've got a problem. So the problem was we had to launch a second campus. Pastor Kelly, we never planned on being a multi-site church with multiple campuses, never on our radar. Right. In that meeting, we said, hey, go find a second facility. So I left that meeting and went and found a second location. We launched a second campus 33 days later. And the funny part was, hey, we're going to start a video campus, but we did not own a video camera. We had to go buy the video cameras to learn how to run them before we started our second location. So people look at us like, look at this, like the strategic plan, like we're stumbling into it just like everybody else. That is, that is so, so true, so powerful because there's, and I don't want any of our pastors leaders to, to miss this because sometimes we look as pastors like a lot smarter than we are um, because we get into, and a lot of times the struggle is where we become the most creative yes. and we end up, we end up 
uh, you, you see that all through the, the book of Acts. Like it wasn't, they stayed in Jerusalem until there was persecution and then suddenly they, then they were scattered yes. and, and then they went, but it was because of the struggle and the problem that, that the church began to explode. And I think the struggle that we have been through in this last year, I don't know if, if you've noticed this or not, but I'm, I'm seeing a lot more creativity yes. from the church globally maybe than ever and i think we're reaching people we may never have reached before had it not been for for the struggle absolutely so let talk about talk about some of the struggles and your your response to it in this last year you know that you guys have that you guys took on it it was crazy because but but the struggle has always been there just takes different forms and different sizes as you grow there, there's yeah. the, the disciples had empty net problems and then they had full net problems. Neither they still had problems, and right. so we've always kind of lived with with the mantra: we think inside the box. And it's not just a cute little statement; it really defines meetings, it defines decisions, it defines cultures. What do we have? And the essence of it is we embrace our limitations because we believe from the limitation will come the greatest resource and creativity we'll ever see. So good. So a year ago, we're looking at this thing going, what do we do? Are we going to be closed for a couple weeks? Are we? She goes, we're, we were dumb. We were sitting there last March going, hey, guys, we'll surely be back by, by Easter. I mean, and then it's, we'll be back by Mother's Day. And then it's surely yeah. by fall, we'll be back. And then certainly by the beginning of the new year. And now we just had another Easter. And so yeah. none of us knew that it would play out like this. But when, when, the, when, the, when the challenge arose, we said, what are we going to do to minister to our people? So we had to reassign probably 60% of our staff to a brand new or different role. Wow. So we rapidly redeployed people and without, because we said the longest we can plan right now is really two to four weeks. We can't plan anything longer than that. Does that not drive leaders crazy though? Like this, I mean... We're used to goal setting, planning, leading with certainty. I've got a vision, follow uh-huh. me. And then all of a sudden, yeah, we got a plan for the next two weeks. That's all we could do. And it was hard yeah. because I like certainty. I'm like you. But like the arm looked at Jonathan and Jonathan said back to him, hey, let's go kill those Philistines at the, the, the outpost. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. The best I can give you is a perhaps. Is this going to work? Yeah. I don't know. I'm 38% sure it might work. But will we move on to perhaps? And I think where, where pastors might be seeing a lot of exhaustion today is because they didn't implement a new plan and it carried on way longer than everybody thought. And now they're like, am I too late in the game to readjust the strategy because of the uncertainty? And I thought we'd be out of it. And so we had to reassign 60, 65% of our staff immediately. That came with a lot of emotional turmoil because you got people stepping into new jobs they've never done before learning things they've never done. And we're like, is it going to work? How long am I going to be in this role? Is this a permanent change? We're like, perhaps. Like, yep. And the hard part with that is now you're ministering to your staff and your teams in a way that says, I don't know about beyond two weeks, but I know for the next two weeks, here's what we're going to be doing and we're going to reevaluate as we go. But that takes away everything I've ever done as a leader. Like, give me the plan. Let me implement the plan. And like, Perhaps that's that's the best I can give you today. One thing that that I've observed, and just as you're talking, came forefront to my mind again, is the churches that are, and I use this term 
um, loosely because I, you know, the churches that are thriving today or are, have progressed through or beyond just surviving are the ones who have reevaluated their priorities like that and willing to press forward. But I, I think the ones that are pressing forward are the ones who are saying, okay, our priorities are people. Like we got to reach people where they're at. Yeah. We got to get them the gospel. We got to get them the care. We got to get them that. And the churches that are most struggling are the ones that, yes. that are focused on the program. Well, it used to be this and we used to do that and we've never tried this before. And they focus on the program. Would you, yeah. would you say this, see the same thing? I, absolutely. Um, the mission stays the same. The methods have got to change. And where we'll get sideways is we make the methods be non-compromisable. The gospel is yeah. non-compromisable, but how we do it, that, that's got to be able to be changed. And you said it, the mission has always been people. It's been glorifying God and seeing people fall in love with him. And so yes. when we reallocated our staff a year ago, we said, what we're going to do is you're going to start. Here's a list of 100 people you've never, never met before. But your job is to minister to these people. I don't know how to do that. Awesome. I want to equip the saints for works of ministry. So we need to train you on how to do that. Well, I don't know if I can do that. Well, I think you can. That's got to be enough for both of us right now. Yeah. <clears throat> but to know that the methods have got to change because the church has always been about you come to us. <clears throat> yep. Yep. And we loved having full rooms at Elevation Church. But now COVID happens. They're empty rooms. But we found ourselves in a position we've never ministered to more people and never had less people in our rooms. Yes. That was a strange place for us to realize, wow, we're sitting in an empty room, but we're actually ministering to more people than we've ever ministered to before. Isn't that amazing? It was, yeah. We would have never dreamed it. We would have, But it was only happened because we were forced to do it. It's like you said, it's Acts 8.1. And a great persecution broke out against the church and it scattered. Yeah. It was the forced thing that caused the faith to grow and to increase. But I don't know for the pastor out there, maybe it's not like we got to have this big online platform. Can I redeploy my leaders to be shepherds of a group of 12 to 15 people that now that's what we're going to invest in. We're going to make those people feel seen and known and loved. So it's figuring out a new expression of the same mission. So good. But I mean, but at the same time, like we, we're ministering to people, redeploy our staff. I mean, that in and of itself, that focus in and of itself, ministering to more people than we have, you know, ever before, even though we don't have the full rooms. When we have the ability to go back to the full rooms, we are way stronger. Potentially, because here's a downfall I see that I, that could, that we could be exposed to is because we're pre-COVID. Again, it was it was all about the weekends. It was so much about like let's let's get people to, to the gospel. So, but when when our staff and our teams would follow up with folks, it's, it was a lot of like, hey, are you going to be there serving this weekend? Are you ready to serve this weekend? Right now, you take COVID away, there is no serving. People have been furloughed for a year, so all those volunteers, yeah. they're like, what do I do? But what's happening now is they're getting calls from the staff and the pastors who are just checking in. I just want to see how you're doing. Pastor Kelly, how are you and the kids and how can I pray for you? And they're like, oh, this is awesome and this is wonderful. Okay, now if we go back into normal church mode, that's now going back to it's all about the weekend. And now the only time you hear from me, Pastor Kelly, is if I want to make sure you're going to be there to park cars. 
The rebound is disengagement. Right. Because for a year, you were only following up with me because I felt like you loved me and you want to know how I was doing. Now we're right. back to church. Oh, and now you just want to know if I'm going to be there this weekend. Now I actually know what I've been missing all along. So, so good. We've got to be careful that that gap of, of engagement doesn't create disengagement because we actually love people less now that we're going back to physical church. I think that's so that's so powerful. That's so true because we cannot assume and again, reprioritizing our priorities, but we cannot assume that when we see somebody on a weekend that that's ministering to them or that that's the connection that we have to say, no, 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 we got to get back to pastoring. I don't know. That's crazy. But, but it's real, though, because a lot of our staff pre-COVID, uh, gosh, a significant percentage of their week was getting ready for the weekend. Take that job description away. That no longer exists. Now, what are you doing with your week? You're calling people, you're pastoring people, which is why you signed up in the first place. Yes. And now when we go back to, quote, unquote, physical church opening back up, do we go back to the same old job description? If right. we go back to the same job description, I believe, I think, we'll see some disengagement because people will be like, oh, now I know what I'm missing because you're only following up with me to see if I'm going to be there on Sunday to serve. So good. So good. We, I mean, it's part of the the shift in in our thinking as pastors is going. You know, we've we've been so service focused. You know, weekend event focused. You know, broadcast focused. Um, but this is you know we need to be people focused, um, connecting people to God focused, yeah. and connecting people with people focused. And it's it's about that connection. Yep. And that's going to create the the stronger church. Totally. And, and it's it's what you said. You alluded to this. It's like. If I'm only going to minister to the people that walk in that front door, how much of my church am I really ministering to? Right. And what we've got to do, what we've had to learn how to do, and everybody else has learned how to do, is how do we take the church to them? Here comes church. We're bringing it to you. So as we figure out the new plan for what it looks like on the other side, it's like if I go back to the same old job descriptions, we kind of missed it. We didn't. What did we really learn in this last year if we go back to business as usual? So is it just a bridge to get me over COVID or is it new? Is it a new roadmap beyond COVID? It's very different. That's very, very different. That's very good. So talk to us, you know, about the, the church that you see in the future. Like where, where do, you know, I've heard, you know, the conversation back and forth on where we're going to return to normal. When things return to normal, I, I think we can move past that. Like, <laughs> like I don't know, like, I, I don't know that that's a bad thing. I don't know that we need to return back to exactly the way it was. No. So talk to us about the church of the future, what you see. Like you're, I mean, you're, you're touching on it. I love what you're, you're saying and what we're going. But, I mean, the best is yet to come, I think. So talk to us about the future of what you see with, with the church. Man, I, wanna, I, I put out a disclaimer. I have no idea um, what it's going to look like. My best guesses would be. If we look back in history and we see where there's been a global impact or something, World War One, World War Two, and you see what it caused, how it caused society and the world and the patterns of people to change, it drastically affected everything. So you take World War Two and you take all the men and you send them off to war. Now the women have got to work in the in the, in the factories and they've got to put the planes together. They got. And so it changed the way society functioned. But now they do that, and then men come back. It changed everything. Yeah. 
And so when we think about we've lived quarantined and secluded and skeptical of other people, and now I can order all my food, I can get my oil changed, and I don't have to leave my house. Like, So the convenience of things, how much has that changed the world? But now for us as the church, how do we not reject culture and just simply say, if you love God, you're going to come back to church? Mm. And how do we bring the gospel to them? I think the church in the future is going to look way more like we're coming to you, and it's going to be less program-driven and way more personal-driven. I I think it's going to say, I need to get to know Pastor Kelly, because Pastor Kelly for a year has been starved for someone to know that he's even alive. Does anybody, how many people are sitting there going, does anybody know that I even exist? And if I weren't here, would anybody even know? It's never been easier for someone to feel that. Because I'm not showing up to the job. I'm not showing up to the building. Where do people get accounted for? And so the church moving forward, I think for us to have an account for who's really been entrusted to our care, it's never been at a higher premium to know who's entrusted to our care. And then to know it's not just about those that walk in the door. Right. People that identify with your church, how do we feel a responsibility to go to them, the lost sheep, and love them and make them feel seen and known? And that, I mean, that applies to all aspects of the church, including uh, online. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we're able to reach people online, I mean, the technology is amazing. Can't imagine going through COVID without that kind of technology. But it's more than just broadcasting, yes. you know, a service online and saying, okay, well, you know, there you saw our service. That's enough. Yeah. I mean, you're t- there, there needs to be connection at all levels, including, yes. including those that are connecting with us online. Yeah, there's a difference between content and connection. You, yeah. Anybody's two clicks away from content. You can get you can get all the content you want in the world, but where can you find meaningful connection? And so, what's happened in the last year when people haven't had, haven't had meaningful connections, they're taking um, they're taking substitutes in the form of anxiety, in the form of depression, in the return of returning to old wells that they thought they had walked away from, but they found themselves thirsty for connection, and they went to a bad source. Yeah. So, how many people are struggling? Teenagers, adults struggling with mental health issues because they're missing the meaningful connection that they need to have. So now as people re-engage, they're not re-engaging at the same level pre-COVID. And so I was talking with a pastor last week, and he was talking about a lot of his people were MIA. They're just missing in action because they're not around. And where'd they go? And I said, maybe MIA really means that they're missing in anxiety. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. Maybe they're so overwhelmed with life, they don't even know where to get started. So rather than us impugning their their uh, their character by suggesting they just don't love God and love church enough. No, 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 no. They're missing an anxiety and they don't know how to handle the stuff that's going on in their life. The church gets the opportunity not just to give them Jesus. We got to give them Jesus. But we also have to give a place of connection and hope and an ear like that's very different. That is so good. Uh, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of, you know, pastors and, and leaders and we, everything goes, you know, online. We had to do that for a while and we we're all excited, you know, pre-Easter last year. You know, everyone's like, I've got more people online than ever. And then after post-Easter, everyone stopped talking about that, but <laughs> which I found was, and everybody started to experience all these, all these dips, but I've literally had. Uh, a number of pastors say to me, and your your pastor, Pastor Stephen Fertig, is 
one of the best, if not the best communicators on the planet. Phenomenal. But I've had pastors discouraged and saying, well, online, I got to now compete with, you know, Pastor Stephen, or I have to, I have to, you know, because they're all focused on content again. And, and I, what I'm hearing you say is like, don't get discouraged by trying to compete with, you know, Elevation or, you know, you know, Craig Rochelle or any of the, yep. like, any of these great communicators. What you can't replace is the connection that you can have with the, the people because, yeah, they're going to, we, we have the touch of a button. We were two clicks away from any sermon from any pastor on, yep. on the planet. We can seek them out. But that's not the church, yeah. And that's it. But, uh, what would you speak you, to that for a moment? Because, it, it, but it, it's so real to feel like I'm now going into a forum. I've never had to preach to an empty room. How do I do that? Um, yeah. How do I preach online and make sure I feel connected? Like those are forcing people to think about things and pastors to think about things they've never had to think about before. And with it comes the uncertainty and the doubt and all the insecurity. And now, when you met, if if Pastor Stephen is our measuring stick. We all fall short, like, he, but no one else can be that person's pastor. He's a preacher. Right. Pastor Kelly is the only person that can be that, that group's shepherd and their pastor, and they need to hear your voice. Whether it's with one camera in a poorly lit room, it doesn't matter. They need a connection with their pastor. Nobody else can occupy that space. I got four kids. They're going to hear from a lot of different people, but I'm the only one that can be down to those four kids. That's so true. Am I ministering to the four kids that have been entrusted to my care, or am I trying to impress 300 that aren't even looking? Yeah, so true. And so for the pastor who's feeling like, man, I don't have what it takes. Yes, you do. Be their pastor. Now, within the system, how do we create connection for these folks? So we're going to do the best we can to set up phone calls and Zoom calls and do everything we can to create meaningful connection. But there's, there is no substitute for their pastor's voice in their life. So good. And Paul addressed that in the early church in Corinth when he says, you've got lots of teachers, uh, but you don't have enough fathers. And and what people, and that's the same today, what people need most is yes. they need, need those fathers. This has been so good, so rich. I appreciate it um, very, very much. I know those listening and watching are appreciating it as well. As we wrap this up what advice would you give to the pastor listening the, the church staff member listening the leaders in the church listening what advice would you give them right now a couple levels one would be you're doing better than you think um mm -hmm. and again we get done with the call i'm gonna ask you like, how do i do because i'm gonna remember the things i thought i should have said or could have said or intended <laughs> to say because that's how we kind of function in our humanity is seeing what gaps we have. And I would just speak over, you're doing better than you think. You, yeah. and, and, but to rediscover the first love, why did we get in this thing in the first place? It's because we love mm -hmm. God, we love people. And we want to create an intersection where those two collide. In this season, the greatest innovation you're going to have is by going back and rediscovering your spirit to redeploy the mission. So don't start redeploying until you've rediscovered. And so, so for, the, for the senior leader out there, man, there's nobody else that can be those people's pastor. You are called. You're it. You have what it takes. You can do it for the support staff and the teams around them. Please don't be coming in just telling them, hey, pastor, tell me what to do. I'll do it. They don't need that. They don't know what to do. Walk in with, 
hey, pastor, based upon your vision for loving people, here would be three things I think we could do right now that would make it better. Bring in solutions, not problems. I love the willing spirit. Amen. Got to say that again. That, that I'm just as a senior leader, you got to say that again. That'd be good. <laughs> but it is. It's like bring in solutions because. But can I even come up with solutions? I'm just trying to survive, Pastor Kelly. Yeah. And so, so many of us are running on E. What would it look like if, in your staff next staff meeting, you created some permission? Senior leaders saying, "Leaders go first. Say, I'm, I'm exhausted, guys. Yeah. I've got some doubt. I've got some uncertainty. And we minister from that place. We'll always impress people with their strengths, but we'll always relate to them through our weaknesses. Wow, so good. We've got an opportunity, senior leaders, to let people behind the armor a little bit. It doesn't help when we stand in the pulpit and tell everybody we got it all figured out because we don't. Mm. And the way that people can really, really trust a new level of your leadership is to see here you say like, wow, he struggles too. He doesn't have all the answers too. Wow, I guess we're going to figure this thing out together then. Yeah, that's very good. I love what you said about the bringing the solutions too. Like, and I love that you said bring three solutions. I've I've taught my team that same thing. Don't just come with one because one can just be give me three. And the reason why three is because just off the top of your head, you can come up with one. Absolutely. Um, or maybe two, but you know the third one. You're gonna have to think through and dig through this one. And and usually out of once you've dug it in and yep. you got three solutions, then you've you've actually worked on it but, but but that list gets generated because frustration is what puts it on your radar yeah so but what we often do with frustration is want to remove it rather than understand it and then actually do something to improve it so it's easier to complain about a, a frustration than it is to actually do something about it isn't that true it is i do i do it all the time um but where i got to listen to my patterns is the frustration is an opportunity for an upgrade yeah what's the frustration i'm seeing how do I need to upgrade my perspective on it, my patterns around it, my systems with it? How do I need to upgrade that? So good. Man, this has been been awesome. Is there anything that I haven't asked that I should have? Wait, why everybody else is not a Minnesota Vikings fan? I think I, I'm I've I've been asking that question my whole life. I, yeah. Really the answer is these are my AirPods. Um what nice. I want to tell everybody is the easiest way to get out of COVID is to start you know cheering for the vikings just kidding but yeah exactly well and, and then yeah we had such a great season through covid as well huh <laughs> but, <laughs> like, but, that's not helping my depression man, thank you <laughs> thank you pastor kelly for creating a forum in a space like this for pastors to be encouraged to be reminded that they're they're doing better than they think uh none of us have the answers none of us have the market cornered on what the future is going to look like but what I would speak is there's a unique thumbprint and DNA on every single pastor out there. What, what, what you need to do is go back and rediscover that. The teams rediscover the unique thumbprint. Don't turn them into being like Pastor Craig Groeschel or Bishop Jake Sir or Elevation Church. We don't need another Elevation Church. We need the unique version of what each one created to do. But when somebody starts learning music and playing guitar, the first thing they do is they, they take a song that they liked and they mimic it on the guitar. Yeah. Okay. That's normal. We all do that. But real creativity starts to understand your unique sound, not simply mimicking somebody else's sound. But it's scary because I can't trust my sound. I saw what that sound did. So, but you always got to start by looking at what somebody else does. You have yep. to. But now you've got to take it and say, how do I make that uniquely me? 
rip off Pastor Craig, rip off Bishop Jakes, rip off Pastor Stephen, but make it be your unique thing. So good. This has been awesome. Uh, so appreciate you and your ministry and all that you do. Uh, thanks so much, Ellie, for, for joining us. My pleasure, my friend. Wow, what a great way to conclude our season here at GoCast with Pastor Larry Bry. I especially loved that last answer. You know, what should we talk about? And he talks about why would anybody cheer for anybody else? That, that's, that's brilliant. Love it. No, but it's so insightful. I, for me, one of the takeaways I have for this season, and I think Pastor Larry um, summed that up really well in, in, in talking through this and just modeled it for all of us, that maybe for the first time in my lifetime, at least, and maybe in the history of, of the church, that regardless of size of church, regardless of uh, denomination, regardless of any you know theolo theological affiliations, regardless of style of church, mm. we are all in the same boat, in the same storm, going through the same things with the same uncertainties, with the same questions, but at the same time with the same anticipation that what is next is going to be so good. So maybe my takeaway for this season is that is that yeah Moses is dead. Um, you know that that season is past. Let's stop mourning the past, but let's look forward to in anticipation yeah. with what God is doing, and that maybe we're all on the same level playing field now going forward. And we need to have ears to Him who has ears. Let Him hear what the Spirit is saying into the churches. And I believe coming into this fall the best season yet for the church is is coming and yeah. excited um and full of anticipation and and i think we're better leaders through this season as as hard as it's been i think our churches are going to be stronger mm -hmm. through this season regardless of what the numbers we see now or or might see uh coming when we open up and all those things happen but i think we are stronger than ever and the best is yet to come yeah what has stood up to you this season for you? I think our interview with Gerald sits a really redefined kind of a, a direction of how to empower our people to get back to the grassroots of when the church was most impactful and, and where it was birthed out of. And it was just people meeting the needs of people. And we've been able to uh, just see remarkable results come out of that. I think it ties into with Brandon Barber's interview in the sense that it's like, okay, we need to like, as in the season, as we are, going to meet the needs of the people and meeting them, them where they're at and planting those seeds. Then when the climate's right and church does uh, open its doors again, my goodness, like yeah. watch out because watch out. now people know the hope yeah, and how it works through people and it's, there's just no stopping it. So that's probably my biggest takeaway out of this season. So good. And I know you have takeaways as well that have kind of stood to you in this season. We'd love to hear from you. Yes. And just because the season's over, that doesn't mean we have we've gone away. We want to continue the conversation with you, and we're here to help you and your church. And that's why we're doing all of this. Is we want to we're in this together, mm -hmm. and we want to help grow the Big C Church in any way possible and expand uh, the kingdom and expand God's territory on the planet. So, how do people connect with us to continue that conversation? Yeah, absolutely. You can share this episode uh, with friends and family. You can also go to gocast.ca and watch previous episodes, the ones coming up in season three. Oh my goodness. Yeah, wow. Amazing. Oh, goodness. And uh, you can also catch GoCast on any of the major platforms for podcasts and uh, Instagram. Connect with us on Instagram and let us know how this material is helping you. 
Awesome, awesome. And stay tuned for season three. We have already lined up some amazing guests uh, that are, are going to be fascinating yeah. conversations. I, I know it. Thank you again so much for joining us at GoCast. You are a part of the, uh, the team and a big part of, of what is happening here. And we're so thrilled that you're listening and joining us week after week. And we look forward to seeing you soon in season three of GoCast. Thanks again. Thank you for joining us for this episode of GoCast. We hope you feel inspired and better equipped to take your community for Christ. Make sure to subscribe to receive each new episode as it's released. Let's go and break the stat together.